0: The Horizon, the official podcast of the Horizon League. Your number one source for all the league's top headlines. Here's your host, Justin Kinner. Reach The Horizon, the official podcast of the Horizon League. Welcome in. We appreciate everyone who tunes in and hangs out with us each and every week well yesterday we finally got the news we were waiting for the horizon league released its men and women's horizon league basketball schedule and taking a look at this it's a very interesting scheduling model and we know the hard work that goes into putting these schedules out every year when things are normal but how about when you have to put a schedule together during a global pandemic and that's what we're going to talk about today with our guest who i'm excited to bring on we have mrs julie Rowe last joining us the deputy commissioner of the horizon league however Her title will be changing starting the 1st of January 2021. She will be named the new commissioner of the Horizon League. We welcome in Julie Rolash. Julie, welcome in, ma'am. How are you this morning?
1: I'm terrific, Justin. Thank you, and thank you for continuing to do this Horizon League podcast every week. I love tuning in and appreciate all the great coverage you give us.
0: Absolutely. Now, I want to get into scheduling, but I do first off want to say congratulations. I am beyond happy for you, and I'm excited to see the great job that you're going to do. Uh, but just your, before we get into the scheduling, just your overall thoughts on what it means to you uh, to be transitioning into the commissioner's role starting January 1st.
1: Wow, it's it's just an incredible privilege. I am, I'm so thankful that I when I joined the league nearly, well, a little over six years ago, I've had the, uh, honored to work along Commissioner LeCron and he has been my mentor and champion and positioned me for this opportunity so I, I wouldn't be here without his like, uh, really guiding me along the way and then I'm surrounded by a great team our staff who Justin I know you've come to know mm-hmm. we just have some incredible people and and then I've obviously been out to all now um, 12 of our campuses and we just have incredible administrators coaches and then I was on a student athlete call last night who that's that's why we do what we do and talk about inspiring. So I'm just I'm excited, I'm privileged, I'm grateful to be a part of this league and to really lead this league now in, into this next decade.
0: I'm glad you used the word inspiring just a few moments ago, because I do believe it's inspiring uh, the new role that you are going to be taking over starting in January as the new commissioner of the Horizon League. There are only nine other female commissioners of Division One conferences. You will be the 10th. Just in your opinion, what does it mean to you uh, to become the 10th female commissioner of a Division One conference? And have you thought about from the perspective of how inspirational that could be to women out there and to young girls? Girls who aspire to work in leadership positions, especially in the world of sports?
1: Well, my husband and I are raising two little girls, and, and we, we intend to raise two strong girls. So I certainly am cognizant of women um, leaders and role models, just as we try to point them out to them all the time. And I am, I am in great company. As you noted, there's nine other female commissioners in the rest of the commissioner room who I've been able to join John in some of those meetings. It's, it is a terrific group, but a lot of the women are, frankly, my close friends. So I'm looking forward to working with them in that commissioner capacity, whether it's Beth at the Ohio Valley or Robin at the Ivy, Amy at the America East, and then uh, Val at the Big East and Bernie at the A-10. They're, frankly, my professional role models. So there are, um, I am in good company. I'm, I don't take that lightly at all. And i really looking forward to contributing in that room as well, because the commissioner tackles some major national issues, and I'm excited to be part of those conversations.
0: Absolutely. We have Julie Rowe Lash with us here on Reach the Horizon, the official podcast of the Horizon League. Julie Rowe Lash, the deputy commissioner. Uh, and just a reminder that today's interview is brought to you by health and wellness company Zervita, changing lives for the better through nutritional and performance based products and opportunities. Um, I know that a lot of work uh, a lot of work always goes into putting these schedules out and building these schedules and i 'm pretty sure I know your next quote it 's going to be man, this was the easiest schedule we 've ever had to put together <laughs> right. there were There were no roadblocks, there was no issues. Um, this next is left. always a tough task every year, but just how different was it this year? Uh, just talk about what the work that you and your team uh, had to put in to be able to put this schedule out yesterday
1: certainly a different year as you noted, and I mean the overriding force with this schedule, which obviously looked a little different than past schedules, was safety. We we noted back in the spring when COVID first hit and we had to shut down spring sports, that whatever we do is going to have to be guided by the primary principle of safety, and then it needs to be sustainable. So we also need to make sure that we're being fiscally responsible with any decision we make so that our schools are going to be long-term sustainable. And from a safety standpoint, as you've probably noted a a few pieces there, but there are some different really um, factors that just guided that. And one was you're trying to minimize your exposure, which Mm -hmm. means you play the same opponent back to back, a little unconventional, but now we're seeing a few other leaks go to that model. Um, But primarily that's because we want to create some buffer or some time in between new opponents uh, to frankly allow for testing so that we ensure as student-athletes come together to compete every weekend that they have been thoroughly tested, and by thoroughly, it's three times per week uh, since their last game. So I I think that what we've tried to do is not only make it safe, but on the sustainable side, there will be uh, fewer total days gone um, from campus. So I think that will assist, too, in terms of trying to save a little bit on travel costs, but again, trying to minimize the exposure points.
0: And, and, you know, you talked about some other conferences, you know, having the same approach. But what was it when I had talked with Commissioner LeCrone a few months ago? uh, He said there was just a lot of ideas, a lot of different models that were being discussed and looked at. Ultimately, what? when you look at this model right here, what made this scheduling approach the most feasible opposed to others? Were there some other scheduling uh, methods that you were, you know, close to or that, you know, it was between this um, option and this one? What were some of the other options, if you don't mind, that you were looking at and what made this one the most appeasable uh, compared to others?
1: Sure. Well, I think our our team and Kelly Ford is really our scheduling guru and Mm -hmm. Um, others on our staff, and I credit our athletics directors, too, because they've had to get down into the weeds and ultimately approve this through our council. Um, and as we looked at different models with not just our council, but our basketball coaches, we sought their input, our head coaches, and even our, our student-athlete captains council that we've assembled this year.
0: And what we asked
1: them is, what's a meaningful season? What's going to really make this a meaningful opportunity for you? And what we heard from the student-athletes and coaches in particular is we'd like to have you know, at least shoot for a 20-game schedule. So that's what you have there as opposed to, you know, we were even thinking, do you go 14 or 16? And we considered divisional play, which means you could be playing the same opponent um, more than twice, and, and then you just wouldn't play other opponents. And what we heard from our coaches and student-athletes is we want the chance to play as many people as we reasonably can, So that's another piece of what's a meaningful season. Well, it's not playing the same team four times (laughs) (laughs) in a round robin divisional play situation. It's being able to test ourselves and challenge ourselves and play more of our competitive league opponents. So that, that's why we moved away from some sort of divisional model and into the model that you see. Um, and then again, um, another, some of the other options we considered, um, truly the, the full round robin. Um, there were more the traditional travel partner model, we took off the table pretty early because that just didn't pass the safety test, playing opponents, cl- you know, different opponents close in time on our traditional Thursday-Saturday model. There's just not an opportunity there to test to make sure that everyone is cleared for that next game. Um, so that model came off pretty quick, and I think the divisional model came off. It took a little bit longer for that model to die away, Justin, <laughs> but I think as we listened to our coaches and student athletes and heard, really shoot for this 20 game model and also try to play as many different opponents as possible while obviously prioritizing our safety parameters. That's how we landed where we did.
0: You mentioned, uh, you know, the, the health parameters that are being, you know, we're put into play or being, you know, we're being considered for what scheduling model you guys approached. Um, So we're seeing this in college football right now. I mean, for instance, the Pac-12, they're, you know, kicking off their season coming up this weekend. And already some teams have some positive tests that are impacting their first week of their season. The Big Ten, I mean, Wisconsin has just been devastated um, by an outbreak in their, you know, program. And there's a lot of questions about the future of their season right now. What is the approach for the Horizon League if a player tests positive what are those steps, and how could that impact the season as far as time missed, um, and how do you handle false positives and those uh, types of things?
1: Obviously a huge challenge that we've spent considerable time um, looking at, and you're right, it's happening right before our eyes with football. So we, what we have um, worked on with our board of directors, meaning our presidents and chancellors and our council, are very extensive safety protocols, and those capture every area from what the testing and screening expectations are, even before our teams travel and on game day, covers facility game operations, covers officials testing, which we haven't even talked about that group, (laughs) Uh, and it covers fans and attendance, it covers our TV broadcast plan. So there are really six big buckets that our safety protocols cover, including what's our response and our plan for a response to a positive test, which... Uh, unfortunately may happen. And the NCAA has given a lot of guidance as well that we have, of course, used and incorporated into our safety protocols, including how do you respond to a positive test? And the, the first real response is obviously you want to um, make confirm that that's a positive test, so if you need to take another test. But regardless, as soon as you have a positive test, uh, you assume that person has COVID, and you isolate and quarantine that person, and we have transportation protocols, because what if the student athlete is on the road when this happens, or a coach or a member of that staff test positive? We've got to get them back to their home safely, and we've got protocols for that. But then what about the rest of the team, and then that game, if, it, you know, if you're on the eve of a game or it's game day? Well, that entire team, um, they're, in, they're in what's called a tier one group. That entire tier one group has to quarantine for 14 days. And, and that's the starting point. So, obviously, that would be extremely significant when you look at our schedule because that's going to take a team out of play for two weekends. And now the only caveat to that is if, for some reason, the health, local health official who's certified in contact tracing, which that's a new phrase that we none of us really were using, right, <laughs> nine months ago, but now it's, it's a term that everybody understands. And every campus will have a contact tracer as well as local health departments. And they could... Um, deem that some people in that Tier 1 bubble can be removed because they either haven't been in high-risk contact with the COVID-positive person or they've already had COVID and they're in that 90-day um, window where they can no, where they cannot contract it. Essentially, they're immune for that period of time. So there are um, some nuances to that, but the bottom line is, if we've got a student-athlete, um, coach, or anyone in that Tier 1 group, which will all be defined before play starts, you know, each campus has their Tier 1 group, And that entire group quarantines for two weeks uh, once we have a positive test with anyone in that group.
0: Now, I should know this. So, the last, so February 19th and 20th is the last weekend, and I I have the men's basketball schedule in front of me right now. Uh, But so that, for instance, the 19th, 20th, the last date, uh, the last weekend for the Horizon League season. When is, what is the date for what should be the postseason, the the conference tournament? And is there a gap between the final game, the final weekend of the regular season and the conference tournament for makeup games? Is that in in consideration at all? We
1: have talked about that, and we have not. Finalize the start date of the tournament. Our intent is to try to build um, a tournament for all teams to come. Um, that doesn't mean they're all going to necessarily be coming to the same place, mm-hmm. because as you can imagine, there's um, there's there's risk, but there's also um, there's risk either way if you bring all teams together or if you have separate games occurring in those early rounds. Um, but we are we talked about building in um, some time for makeup games or if teams are in quarantine. Um, essentially, we're going to have to be, I think the key word we all talk about is flexibility. So we have this schedule, and boy, wouldn't it be nice if we're able to play all of these games on this <laughs> schedule. But if, if we can't, then we're going to have to be extremely flexible uh, midstream and be able to pivot, to use basketball term, and, and do all we can to go back to trying to create a meaningful season and a safe way for our student-athletes, and that's really what it comes down to. But in yeah. terms of the tournament, we're working on that. We actually just talked with our coaches about that yesterday and are continuing to work through different models with our council who ultimately – ultimately approve it and then you and i can do a separate podcast on that how's that <laughs> sounds like a
0: plan i mean it's funny because anyone i talk to that's in a leadership position i always say i do not envy you and i do not envy you because uh, i mean there's so many decisions that have to be made and answers that needs or questions that need to be answered and some questions just don't have them so i respect the job that anyone right. in a leadership position right now everything all the hard work you guys are doing behind the scenes it's uh, I, I don't envy that but i respect the job you guys are doing that's for sure now uh with that being said the the fun part Part about the conference season is, of course, the exposure that the conference gets, the ESPN games. Has that been discussed yet as far as the, you know, I know all games will be on ESPN+, plus, and that's always a huge plus, no pun intended, as far as that's concerned. <laughs> but what about the national ESPN games? Now that the schedule is out, is the national uh, game possibilities, does that come into play when building this schedule, or is that the next step in this?
1: It, yes, ESPN, as you know, they've, they've been a great partner of ours, and they are our media partner, and we've got a package of games on ESPN2 and U during regular season, and then, of course, our tournament is on U 2 and then our champ game for the last 20-some years has been on ESPN. So we are in almost daily talks with them. Now that we have finalized the schedule, we will be working with them to identify which of our regular season games will be linear on U or two. And then, as you noted, our fans can count on every game being on ESPN Plus. But that is that is too common. It will be um, rolling out soon. It, typically, we have this done in the summertime, right? But <laughs> ESPN has been not just waiting on our schedule, but every other conference schedule that they uh, work with. So they are putting their puzzle together, too. But our intent, as in years past, is to have that Friday night window. That's been pretty special for us. So... We, our intent, which as we know things can change, but our intent is to continue to be in that Friday night slot for our regular season games. And that's why you see in Jan and Feb a lot of our, um, all of our, we've got uh, each matchup is happening on a Friday and then a Saturday.
0: We have Julie Rolash with us here, Deputy Commissioner of the Horizon League, right here on Reach the Horizon, the official podcast of the Horizon League, talking scheduling. The Horizon League men's basketball and women's basketball schedules were released yesterday, and, of course, these look so different than any other scheduling model we've seen. Uh, Teams will host a Horizon League opponent on on one night, and they'll welcome in that very same opponent the next day or next night as well. Um, And not every team will play at every arena throughout the season. Now, I am curious, because in the day and age of COVID, um, you hear a lot of fans all the time, Well, that's not fair. This isn't fair. I am curious what goes into deciding which teams or, you know, which teams play who and which, you know, how did you decide which team was going to be left off uh, a certain team's schedule? Um, How difficult was that?
1: Well, the, I mean, the the fairness piece, we obviously care deeply about the challenges. um, One, on the safety side, we tried to, um, Knowing that each team was not going to play one other team, we had you know a grand map out with all of the miles between each opponent, and essentially what we tried to do was eliminate one of the far opponent trips. So it's it's not... It's, Green Bay and Robert Morris are two extremities, right? It's not like... It's, we still have to have ten, 10 teams play Green Bay, <laughs> um, and half of them are going to go to Green Bay. But nonetheless, we tried to eliminate for well, one who that's really their farthest trip, we took that um, game away. And then we just went through the each team and said, okay, wh- who are their top three farthest trips and let's take one of those away? So that was our approach um, from a safety standpoint and also just trying to minimize the amount of time our student-athletes are gone from campus. And then the other piece, the challenge we still have, believe it or not, are some facility conflicts um, of our facilities are still in demand which is good in in this economy in these times so we weren't able to get in all of our facilities every weekend that we wanted which means that team then has to be on the road and that force There's just a crazy domino effect if you see it happen where it's amazing what one facility conflict can do um to the games that weekend and then the future games
0: all right well uh, Julie Rolash with us here Julie thank you uh, so much for taking time and just walking us through Absolutely. this because as I said earlier i don't envy anyone in a leadership position right now but i beyond <laughs> respect those in a leadership position uh, and you and your team have done a fantastic job last thing before we let you go uh, obviously you know you mentioned it earlier the you know or you talked about the spring sports you know going all the way back uh, to when you know we first started hearing about the coronavirus the fall sports season was postponed as well and you guys have just gotten the, the winter sports schedule put together the basketball schedule Do We have an update on what the fall season could look like as far as the postponement of that. Is it looking like a spring? Uh, Is it looking like a full-out cancellation? How is that being put into play right here?
1: So, well, first, thanks for your kind words on um, the the challenges that our team and our council have been tackling. I think the best part of this entire, all of these challenges has been, it has been a team effort, not just the league staff, but our leadership on our campuses and it's been, uh, again, i use the word inspiring to watch people roll their sleeves up, including we've got, we call it a competition cabinet, and there's one uh, senior staff member, not ADs, but senior sport administrator from each of our campuses, and they're meeting at least once a week, if not twice a week, with our staff on now um, putting together a plan for not just spring sports and all of the testing and safety protocols that we're going to need to follow But then how do you layer fall sports on top of that? Again, trying to make it a meaningful opportunity and make sure that we can um, provide all the support needed for those fall sports from an athletic training standpoint, facility availability, and so forth. So that is what we're working on right now, Um, obviously in addition to the basketball pieces. (laughs) And our, our council will be looking at that plan in the coming weeks Uh, So more to come on that, but that is certainly on our radar on a daily basis is trying to put now that that puzzle together, so to speak.
0: All right. Well, this certainly won't be the last time we chat here in the coming months. So I appreciate you taking time today and being our guest on Reach the Horizon, the official podcast of the Horizon League. I'm glad we have schedules out. I'm glad we have sports to talk about. uh, And just any kind of sense of normalcy (laughs) is uh, what's always wanted right now. So thank you so much for your time this morning.
1: Thank you, Justin. Appreciate all you do.